being a good producer is just knowing who to call. And I think that's very true. I think it's just the more people you know and the more people you work with, the more thorough your budgets are going to be because you will have those resources to pull on and get accurate numbers from the beginning. Welcome back to Nothing Shines Like Dirt, episode 59. I'm Elise Sieverts. And I'm Leslie Shannon. Today, we are talking to producer Tanner Sawitz. We discuss his production company, Leviathan Filmworks. Line producing. And shifting. Friends, yeah. how do we, yeah. Like, yeah, it's how did we avoid each other for before this Before, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm president of a networking group out in Thousand Oaks. Oh, nice. And so it's, it's weird to see, because that's the goal of it, is to network and to meet more people. And it's, it all starts like coming full circle. You know this person, you know that, that's so weird. I know. Someone just joined my group who had my father as a teacher in high school. Oh my gosh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. That so. is full circle. Yeah. It's weird <laughs> stuff. Getting dad involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He taught at Thousand Oaks High. Okay. So he's like the Thousand Oaks celebrity. Like everyone knows him knows as a teacher who was there for 35 years, you know? Yeah. So. Well, that's impressive yeah. My mom's a also a high school teacher. And oh, really? Yeah. What she teach? And she teaches geography. Oh, cool. And she's so popular with the students. Yeah. We're all like, like all of our kids are like, she's kind of a dork, but you guys like yeah. love her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's a cool thing. People it always ask cool me, thing. oh, is it, it weird is having her? Because I went to Thousand Oaks High School oh, yeah. when he was there. I took yeah. his class. Like, oh, is it weird having your dad be? It's like, no, he's a cool teacher. Yeah. People like him. Yeah. You know, maybe what, did, what does your dad teach? He taught art. So art. he did 2D oh. and 3D. And then he went to specialize in ceramics. So for the last four years, he just taught ceramics. And, and you then, do ceramics too. Yeah, yeah, that's job number two. That's awesome. I'm a ceramicist, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I've always been fascinated by it. Brandon, my husband, who mixes the podcast, he um, he's done all sorts of random like art things, and oh, cool. he's done ceramics before, and he really liked it. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, never intently. He said, "Yeah, I did lots of round things." Lots <laughs> of round things. <laughs> he said because I couldn't really get. I didn't. He didn't do it long enough to get past the point where you're like. It, it takes some time. It yeah. takes some commitment. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing it for like 10 years or something. So okay. Yeah. So you, you, you know how to do I, it. And I also know, I still will have days where I just can't throw. I don't mm. know if you've thrown on the wheel before. No, but. I haven't, but I always <laughs> wanted to. I, and the other thing is I can't think about ceramics without thinking about ghosts. Is that mm. bad? Oh, you and 95% <laughs> Every, of the world's everybody. population. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's throwing? Oh, is it that thing from that movie with the mm-hmm. guy and the girl? Yes. Yes. It is that's what it is. Yep, it's exactly that's what it, it is. Uh, Kevin and I, my husband, we did a class together and he had like the most beautiful little bowl for a first class. Yeah, yeah. And I just had like a lump. Like Ma- I Making was, like, anything <laughs> in the first class is great. Like, it's like, how are you so good at this? That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just had That's how Brandon natural. is too. He's just like, oh, I'm going to try to do this and I'm going to be great at it. And you're like, awesome. Thanks. It's <laughs> really I'll good. be over here yeah. with my lump of clay. Yeah. Cool. It was yeah. definitely a exactly. lump. I'm like, yeah. whenever you're done with it, I'll do the I'll do like help like glaze or color mm-hmm. or something because right. he's red green color deficient. So oh, so right. he doesn't yeah. do so good with the color. So I'm like, okay, at least I have partner strength. Partner Useful. <laughs> good teamwork. That's great. Teamwork. Yeah. Try. Have you ever brought ceramics into filmmaking or not yet? Ooh, um, yeah, that's a good there were a couple places where it overlapped. I used to work for uh, Reading Rainbow. Do you know them? Yeah. Of, of yes. I loved Reading Rainbow. Yeah. As a kid. Yeah. yeah. So they, they moved to the app uh, or they moved to the iPad and like Kindle Fire and stuff like that as an app in 2013. And once a week we'd shoot these, you know, the video field trips, right? And they shot one in my garage with my dad and I <laughs> when I was working for them. 
which awesome. was funny. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, so a couple things have shot in my garage before. Nothing like super huge, but. Um, I think that's the. I try to keep them separate. Actually, I you know I do have a little DSLR. I don't actually shoot because I'm a line producer, but I know how to use some equipment so I can for Instagram I can make my own videos. But that's about as far as it goes. I try to keep them separate. You know, <laughs> whether that's a good or a bad thing, I don't know. I don't know. I think it depends personally yeah. on whatever it is that you want because sometimes mm-hmm. it does get cloudy when you start to mix things together. Yeah, yeah. I, I like keeping it separate. And when I go do art shows and when I go to the studio, it's like this separate little life, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a lot dirtier physically than mm-hmm. than filmmaking. I'll have a day where it's emails and phone calls because and, I'm very much the business side of filmmaking and I can feel like I made no progress that day. But then I can go to my second life where I can physically create something and it's kind of satisfying. Right, well, because physically creating in film takes bit longer whereas you know (laughs) ceramics it's you set down the lump of clay and then a few minutes later you have something and yeah yeah how did you fall into line producing Mm. I how did I come into line producing so I feel like it's one of those jobs that like the people that are that do (laughs) it they are so good at it and most people have to do it out of necessity because of they don't have the money to hire somebody there, yep. Yeah, exactly. And I found um, a lot of directors who will just do the budget themselves and they'll go over budget or they don't know. Um, it's I hate when directors try to focus on logistics and creative at the same time, which is where the value of you know line producing comes in and producing in general. But I it was kind of a gradual thing for me. Uh, I was working with a couple of friends for a while and ended up leaving them to start my own company. Um, around that time, maybe it wasn't gradual. I got a I got a large commercial job that my buddy, uh, my best friend from college, kind of coached me through doing the budget for, and it was it was a six figure job, is a large amount of money to handle, and I'm going, what what's going on? I, I don't know how to do this. I'm not ready. Um, and it ended up going pretty well, and I really liked this budgeting thing, and I liked hiring the crew, and I liked um, my favorite phrase is on the court which I'm stealing from my girlfriend, but it's, uh, okay, it's great to talk about all these lofty ideas, but how does it play out day to day? How do you get the equipment from A to B? Who's going to drive the truck? What's going to, you know? So I love reconciling that, the creative with the numbers, right? Mm -hmm. And making it actually happen. And that's kind of what I fell in love with, with line producing. It's a puzzle. Yeah. It's a giant puzzle. (laughs) It for sure is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that with pieces that change shape and color. And a lot of people hate to try and put it together. (laughs) And I, for some reason, like it. I do too. I do too. I've wine produced as well. Yeah. Oh, cool. And it's because it can have a really big, I think it's kind of undersold as having a big creative outlet because you really have to be able to kind of speak that language in order to have the vision that they want. And bringing the team together is something that... um, it's a, it's a creative endeavor and it really is a big part of the process because if you don't put the right people together, it really makes yeah. it makes it not fun. Absolutely. <laughs> and you have to know a little bit about everything, you know. You won't catch me operating an RE anything. You know, you will not catch me if I'm touching equipment on set something's probably wrong or it's like a really small shoot, you know. But you do have to know what everything is and how it fits together and who you need for what position and um it's satisfying to me to get to call those people and bring them on board and say, hey, I have work for you or I need your skill set. Um, so that's another aspect to it. I think that's really valuable.
Well, because as an artist, we always know we're always looking for work. <laughs> so yeah. anytime you can provide that for someone, it's such yeah. a great feeling. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's that's pretty much why I do it is to is to get to call, you know, friends, yes, but kind of anyone up who you like working with or who you trust and say, hey, I have this gig. You know, here's the rate, here are the dates, and give them work. You know, that's I like providing that. That's mm-hmm. cool. So tell us about your um, your production company. So it's called uh, Leviathan, Leviathan Filmworks. Is there um, a reason that you named it that? <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Uh, so originally the logo was going to be a little guppy, like a little fish, and Leviathan is a big sea monster, right? So it's like being the small fish, in the, but you have to present yourself as this formidable thing. And then the logo ended up looking like I made uh, children's cartoons. So <laughs> <laughs> I scrapped that and just went with Leviathan as a little tail, and that's pretty much it. But... Um, yeah, I started that, uh, like I said, I worked with a couple friends for a few years, and we were doing much more um, run-and-gun kind of videography type stuff. You know, here's the thing that's happening, let's go film it, right, you know, so I can operate DSLRs and stuff like that. But I wanted to be on bigger sets. I want to, you know, it's what I went to film school for, sort of. My degree's in screenwriting, so not really at all, actually. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I just wanted to do bigger things, and I wanted to work with whomever I wanted to work with and not be limited. Um so I left them and started my own company, and yeah, I was I'm 100% owner, and it's best decision I've ever made because it's just all what I make it, you know. That's incredible. That's Thanks. a great way to feel about it because it's yeah. easy. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's uh, yeah. My girlfriend sometimes is not <laughs> super happy with that aspect of it because it's 50, 60 hours of film a week, depending, and then 10 to 20 of ceramics. So it's. A lot, especially when show season. When it's show season for ceramics, it's the the weekends are gone because it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's yeah. Those so, are long weeks. Yeah, those are very long weeks. Yeah. yeah. How do you? Sure. So when do you sleep? <laughs> yeah, I, sleep is weirdly very important to me. Like you get those people who are like, I operate on four hours, and I go, I don't. Yeah. I yeah. nope. <laughs> yeah. I need seven to eight, or I am worthless the yeah. next day. Mm-hmm. So, I the main thing I learned at Chapman, I guess, is time management. Because I came in, I was behind, and so I tried, like, you know, really hard to make up that ground, um, and I had to be on top of my time management. When am I going to go shopping and make food when I have to write these four scripts for my three classes tomorrow? And it was overwhelming. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, but it taught me how to manage time. So I'll have my weeks planned out very far in advance and just kind of try to keep my head above water which I'm usually able to do. Sometimes, you know, you can get all burnt out doing that, working 12 hours a day. But um, I try to at least keep Sundays for nothing. Sunday is, you know, clean your workspace. Just hang out with, you know, whoever, Um, which usually works if there's Mm -hmm. not a show or or a gig or something. So, Mm -hmm. but it's tough. It's not, it's not easy. Yeah. Um, do you, so it sounds like you, uh, it's very important to you scheduling and keeping bound, like setting rules and keeping those boundaries so that you, you can give yourself the opportunity to rest. Yeah. That's, um, boundaries is like the buzzword with my girlfriend and I right now. <laughs> <laughs> Are you respecting your boundaries? Okay. You're going to let that client call you at 10 PM. Right. You know? I, so. Well, and because of technology, boundaries have gone out the window f- yeah. across all industries yeah. and it's been nice to see people like, no, I don't answer my email past 6 p.m. Like, yep. like that's that's it. Yeah. You can we can take care of it in the morning. 
it's we we have to have Chubbs and Arlo have to make sure that they're heard um, in the podcast because they have a lot to say too. They were just commenting on how they felt about boundaries. That was a good point. It was a good point. It's a good thing they, they contributed, including physical. Yeah, they really demonstrated that one. I think so too. I think so too. They're really passionate about this issue. Actually. I know. I know they are. They're, they have a lot of feelings, yeah. Chubbs and Arlo. <laughs> so many Arlo. feelings. <laughs> um, the, the boundaries thing, though, it, it never changes with relationships, just so you know. <laughs> okay. It's always there. Um, uh, my husband and I, and I don't know if you and Kevin have this conversation all the time about boundaries, about just oh, yeah. like checking the other person. But it's good to have somebody who helps you do that because it's really right. easy to get in that like hamster wheel of I'm going, 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 going. Yeah. Well, things go in such like an ebb and flow too, right? Like sometimes a project needs more love and affection than than it does all year long. So. It's, it's very much, um, it's never consistent in that way. So there are always going to be exceptions to that rule, you know, where, okay, the shoot's the next day. I'm going to have to be on the phone at 11 at night or I'm going to have to be on my email the whole mm-hmm. day or whatever. But one decision I made kind of early on um, I was talking to another line producing friend and he says that he didn't have email notifications on, on his phone. And that was so foreign to me. I was like, how do you know when an email comes in? You know, uh, and cause I had them on. So every time an e- email came in, it would be, you know, on my watch. So it's, I was tied to it and that was giving me anxiety. And I'm like, okay, that's, I gotta, I gotta switch them off. And when I did that, that actually helped a lot. Yeah. Helped a lot. And then yeah. when you go to your email, you're like there to answer emails versus yep. like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and you know, it, something would come in and I'd feel like, okay, I have to answer this right now, no matter what it was. Because yeah. sometimes you do have to do that, and I will check email frequently, but I'm not tied to it as much. And I think it's important to set those boundaries, right? To mm-hmm. have limitations like that um, and get over the fear that, okay, if I don't respond in two minutes, I'm going to lose this job. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to, this person is going to think less of me because they won't, you know? Yeah. And that took a while to learn, but I think it's definitely true. Yeah, I feel like it's. Um, I I'll, I'll have to say because I live in I live in New York, and mm. uh, and New Yorkers tend to not be good at that at all. <laughs> um, I feel like LA in general, most of the people that we talked, I mean, it's also, we're talking to very particular people, but most of the people who I know and I talk to, they try to be a lot better about that here. And I think they're a little, tend to be a little more relaxed about it. Yeah. Um, but the industry in general, especially when you're line producing and you're in pre-production, you, you will spend 12 hours answering emails. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. one after the other. So it's hard to not feel like if you don't answer it right away that yeah. the world's going to end. It's it's kind of nice for me because I will, you know, in the morning, I, I try to go by a block schedule if I can. You know, if, if I don't have anything in a day, I will have, okay, you know, sit down at my computer at this time and then one hour of marketing stuff and then two hours of working on projects and one hour of ceramics and I'll have it laid out. I try to stick to that. But it is nice to have, you have an opportunity to email out everyone you need to email. And then I will go force myself to do an hour of ceramics. And by the time I'm done, chances are people will have replied. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sitting there like waiting, waiting for, for the. <laughs> okay, got an hour. Can you, you talk know. about too working with um, like clients in commercial work versus mm-hmm. like narrative work where it's more you know about the art and the story? But there's there's definitely has to be some skills, additional skills you need to like guiding yeah. clients, hand holding clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a lot to talk about there. I guess the main thing for me has been dealing with clients of different 
experience levels. Because I've worked with, I, you know, a lot of low budget stuff, of course, as we all have done, a lot of four figure stuff. Um, and those clients typically haven't done this at all. They haven't done any sort of filmmaking or video production and explaining to them how the post-production process works and why you need this money up front and what this is for. And I've gone frequently line by line with clients and they say, okay, what's the gaffer? And I say, okay, here's what, the, here's why that money is there. It's a foreign language. Yeah. They've never heard yeah. that term. Yeah. Why, why does the, you know, why do we need a truck? Okay. Well, <laughs> we have a lot of equipment <laughs> and then someone needs to drive the truck. That's as pre-production, you know, and it's, um, so there's that aspect of it, of kind of really hand-holding, and then there's the other aspect of, okay, this person's done this before, they don't really question as many things, and they're more, um, they slide into production easier, and it's easier to just communicate with them right off the bat. Um, but it is interesting trying to bridge that gap and trying to determine up front what kind of client you're working with, you know, because I've had a you know, handful of either. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing I was going to ask about too, so you've talked a lot about budgets and I feel like when people are starting into producing and line producing, what sort of advice would you give them at approaching a budget? Because it can seem, especially if they're not used to working with money, it can seem very daunting and horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I, I should. <laughs> I, I could take a lot of time with that one. Um, I mean, you can. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think how I did it. Um, I, I guess, so one thing I heard the other week from another producer was they said that being a good producer is just knowing who to call. And I think that's very true. I think it's just the more people you know and the more people you work with, the more thorough your budgets are going to be because you will have those resources to pull on and get accurate numbers from the beginning. Um, one thing that I've always done, and I think this is a given, but um, pad, pad things. You know, hot, don't, you know, there, there are ways to pad things without it being apparent, but things come up in a shoot, right? Things go wrong, you have to spend an extra 30 bucks there, extra 100 there, and oh my gosh, you're $2,000 over budget, right? And I think that's what happens when you don't have someone dedicated to keeping track of the budget, either a PM or a line producer or whatever, um, which is dangerous, right? So, you know, if you're working with a line producer, you shouldn't go over budget unless there's some kind of overage that, you know, you make everyone aware of. Um, but I, I think padding is definitely very valuable. I, I think giving yourself a little wiggle room, not being so constricted, because that's going to stress you out too. And you don't want to be going into a shoot every time like, okay, can't get people coffee, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've no been coffee. there for, yeah, yeah. So I've been there before and you, the right thing to do in that situation, I, you know, is just take the hit yourself. You're not going to sacrifice your crew's, you know, caffeine needs for, okay, I want to make a couple extra bucks. So. Yeah. Cause the crew needs caffeine. If there's any yeah. like through line of filmmaking, <laughs> you must provide the crew and cows with caffeine. Absolutely. They don't know how to function without it. Most they do of not. them. They do not. You know, <laughs> as the one industry where 12 hour days are the norm. And that's someone told me that the other day said, it's so weird that this is the, and I thought that is kind of weird. It, we become, we grow accustomed to it. Like, yeah, oh, 12 hours. Yeah, of course. But that's, no other, <laughs> few other industries have 12 hour days as the standard pretty much, you mm -hmm. know? So, um, yeah, so I guess that, you know, the padding and the knowing who to call, those are two big ones for budgeting. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I guess take your time with it. I will frequently just want to get a budget out immediately and I'll send it out and I'll go, oh crap. 
<laughs> I forgot this or I didn't, you know, I, I should have put this in there. And then you start to doubt yourself and that's bad. That's, that will happen to me still. You know, I will send something out and I'll say, okay, that was, you know, it's going to be too high for them. It's going to be too low. And really you don't know what the person on the receiving end of that is thinking. Mm. So I guess maybe that's the other thing is do a good job with your budget, but then let them tell you what they think of it. Don't overanalyze it after you send it out. Right. Just wait for them to yeah. don't, as my mother says, don't borrow trouble. Yeah. Don't, don't borrow trouble. <laughs> like yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Worrying about things that haven't happened yet. You'll mm. have enough to worry about at some point. There's no need yeah. to add to the pot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that, uh, our gut thing is to hedge also, you know, so send this out. Okay. So here's the budget, but also, you know, we can do this and this and this. I think there are certain cases where that's appropriate, but mm-hmm. for the most part, if you listen to what your client says or, you know, you follow the numbers that are sent to you, you know, we have to stay in this range or we'd like to do this and you've done a good job, you know, you haven't, if you're doing a little interview half day shoot, you haven't <laughs> hired 15 people just for camera team. Like you don't, you don't need that. So yeah. that's the thing too, is you learn to be realistic, whether that means you're going to give them a higher number than they expect, or maybe you can come in under what they're expecting there is a certain amount of realism that you have to grow accustomed to. Um, Yeah. So how, um, a big thing we've kind of been talking about with our last podcast we've been recording is how like maybe you went to school for something or you were doing one thing as you were, went to school for screenwriting. Mm -hmm. And then now like the bulk of what you do is producing line producing. Um, How did you deal with that switch from one to the other? Because as artists, we tend to, flog ourselves for like, I've quit or I'm not doing what, do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, and I was just curious as to how you made it through that process and like, what did you do to, to, to come to that, come to terms with going from a screenwriter to a producer? That was a tough process. That was not easy. Um, that was bumpy. Yeah. So I got, um, what happened was I transferred into Chapman and then I was there for a couple of years and my degree wasn't over yet, even though I was trying to, you know, go about it the quickest way possible. And then I got a full-time job in Burbank with Reading Rainbow. So, and I had one year left at Chapman. I'm going, oh man, <laughs> how am I going to do this? And so I ended up, uh, I would take the train or drive into work in Burbank. I was living in Thousand Oaks. And then one day a week, I'd go drive to Orange County and finish classes. So I was very much still in the writing mentality, thinking I'm going to be a writer. For 10 years, I thought I was going to be a writer. And you get, like you were saying, you get attached to this idea. So when I was at Reading Rainbow and I was finishing my degree, I started thinking, maybe this isn't what I want to do. So I was working as an editor and I was writing. And so I was spending a lot of time isolated, kind of on my own. And I thought I was introverted my whole life. I'm not that introverted, turns out. (laughs) If I'm not around people, I just get real sad. And it's, yeah. So I didn't know that about myself, though. And so nothing like, you know, a year of solitude to really show you that. So, but it was hard. There were a few months where I was quite frankly depressed because I wasn't going to be a writer anymore. I didn't think I had what it took to do that. And uh, accepting that took a while. Took a while. I think it's something that we don't talk about as often as we should as artists and how we get these ideas and and in our head of this is what we are and it, it doesn't mean and it also doesn't mean you can't do both like I mean I'm sure you could if you wanted to yeah. you could still write some but doing it all the time ended up not being what you wanted and that's okay yeah and I think we don't talk about that enough <laughs> yeah I, I think that people will see it as quitting 
as yes. giving up. And I think it's more important to be in tune or aware of when it's time to shift, you know, and it's not necessarily quitting, but you have to be honest with yourself, you know, saying, is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? Or is this what I want to pursue right now? Here's what it takes. Is that something that's in the cards for me? You know, and if it's not, I, I think we have, we owe it to ourselves to not be stubborn about that. Cause there was a time where I was super stubborn about it. I was applying for these, um, you know, jobs at agencies, reading scripts and stuff like that, and other internships, and I just wasn't excited about any of them. And it took me a few time, a few interviews and a few, you know, months of doing that to think, man, maybe I don't want to do this. And then it was, man, what do I want to do, you know, which is I tough. love that word shift, like, yeah. me too. Like, like shifting. And we also, I mean, I'm always like, I think it's nuts that we expect 18-year-olds to choose what they want to do for the rest of their life. Their brains aren't fully developed. And a lot of times it's like this fantasy of what it is and not actually what the day-to-day mm-hmm. grind of a job is, you know? And I don't think you discover that until you yeah. do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that deciding on a major before you've left the high school bubble is so, it's so difficult to get it right, you know, or to um, choose a major and then end up doing that thing after college. What I, the stat a couple of years ago was like 60% of people actually do what they majored in or 40% or something like that. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm surprised yeah. it's not higher. I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure yeah. it's, I'm sure it's actually, yeah, a, yeah. a more significant number in that yeah. way. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I was going to write novels and then I kind of stayed in a similar field. I was going to write novels and then I was going to write films and then I didn't know what I wanted to do and I was working as an editor and now I'm line producing, which is 180 degrees from that creative, you know, field in film. How has, I mean, being like learning how to be a screenwriter and learning story structure like so intimately, how has that like kind of fed into your work now? It's, I guess, in the most literal business minded sense, it's um, one thing I kind of learned how to do in school was write for budget, um, which is, you know, I I remember reading someone's script and when I'm writing a script or reading a script, it's always, okay, is this makeable? Can can we actually make this, right? Okay, you're writing for a $10,000 budget. This is a $5 million Mm. sci-fi piece. Mm -hmm. Like Mm there is some kind of disconnect Mm -hmm. going on here. So I think that was a very interesting thing during the transition from, you know, the creative side of things to the more business budgetary side of things is, okay, does this budget line up with their creative? Is this script actually going to be makeable for what they have? Um, and that was something I didn't always consider when I was screenwriting. It was like, this is a cool story. Let's put an elephant over here, you know? It's like, <laughs> and then the spaceship comes in. It's great. And uh, <laughs> sure, it might be a great story, but most of the time, the stories you write just kind of sit there because as a new screenwriter, you're not going to get millions of dollars thrown at you usually to make what you write. So a lot of the people I went to school with, we would write more simplified things and really focus on character development and stuff like that. And uh, actually, we just shot a web series about a month ago, my main director and I, and we didn't have a lot of money to work with, but it was one location. And we knew that going in. We're like, we need one location and we need a few great actors. Great. Let's do it. You know, it couldn't be any more than that or else it was going to be way out of the scope of what we had. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, being realistic sometimes is hard when you're a creative person. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so it's nice um, for people because I think, 
you're so right. They don't think about line producing and how important it is, but it really is because it helps to to bring you down to earth. Yeah. <laughs> well, and to get it made, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think you learn as a writer to start doing that because you want it to be made. <laughs> like, yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And a lot of the time, I was talking to a mentor of mine, line producing mentor, and he was saying to be careful that, you know, as a line producer, you don't get the reputation as a no man, because, <laughs> which frequently happens anyway, because the director will come to you and say, here's my idea. And you'll say, no, we can't do it <laughs> for these 17 reasons, right? Like this, no. And I, I think I, I try and be careful that I'm not becoming no man and I try to make things work. But at a certain point, you do have to bring hard realism into it, you know? Yeah. It's like, okay, if you try to execute this, it's going to be bad. Yeah. You know, it's going to be lesser than the script deserves. And it's not going to be worth doing. Mm-hmm. I think that's the that's a phrase that I was throwing around with another director of mine that is um, worth doing, you know? We had, I had budgeted a feature for him and we were trying to keep it ultra low, you know, so below, below 250. And it was a pretty contained feature. And at a certain point we said, is this going to be worth doing if we have this level? If we have to sacrifice this many things, is it going to be something that we're proud of in the end? Mm -hmm. You know, may as well try to get a little bit more money to where it's worth doing and we're happy with it. So it's a hard line. It's a really hard line because it's like the integrity of the vision and the story, but also putting it out there. So, yeah. yeah. When I was at Chapman screenwriting, um, my roommate was, um, he was a director. So I was a writer, he was a director and we'd make stuff together. And now he's also a line producer. So it's, (laughs) I I don't know what that says. Yeah. But, um, line producers are needed is what it is. Yeah. I, uh, would never even think about the money aspect of it when I was writing stuff. You know, he probably would a little bit more than me, but we were so just creatively focused and I would just write in this scene like this and then he'd come back to me and say okay we need to cut this out and I'd go why it's, it helps the story well there's no money to make that scene so mm-hmm. you know. we can't do this explosion okay yeah. it's yeah. not gonna work yeah. it costs too much money yeah yeah so that was you know writing for budget was an interesting thing to be exposed to at that point and then years later I'm budgeting for you know other people's creative very cool how do you um find new clients Especially commercially. That's the question, right? <laughs> that's, that's the question. Everyone wants to know, what's the secret? Yeah, there, I feel like there are all these things on Instagram right now. I see them all the time that are like, okay, the one secret to getting new work. Oh, yeah. You know? I don't think there's a secret. There's but, no but, secret. but I like to hear how yeah. different people are doing it. Yeah. Um, I think there's getting new clients and there's keeping clients. Um, and one aspect to keeping clients, I guess, is integrity in that you're not afraid to say no to certain things because I think the when you have a new potential client your gut reaction a lot of times is to say yeah we can do that yeah I can get you the moon for two dollars you know yeah this will work (laughs) when you know it's not realistic and then you end up not being able to pull it off the expectations Mm -hmm. are set too high and the client's not happy and you you lose the client Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. when it comes to getting new clients um man I've been working on that for a few years and like I, I said, I'm the president of a networking group, which that definitely helps. Um, the purpose of it is to, you have a room of business professionals and they all have different businesses. One's an accountant, one's a graphic designer, and about 30 of us. And the goal is to pass referrals to each other. So as I'm going about my day, my client needs a logo. Oh, hey, I'm going to pass you my graphic designer and then we can work together and they will do the same for me. 
So I've actually gotten work that way. Um, maintaining those relationships, networking within the industry is huge, I think. You know, I, I used to go about it where I would just try to find those one-off videos. This client needs a video for his supplement company. This client over here needs, you know, which is fine, and that can work. But I think the more people in the industry you work with and the more relationships you foster that way, they will think of you. You know, mm-hmm. If you're confident and you're likable, I think that's a big part, mm-hmm. is actually being likable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? that's a, that's, that doesn't hurt, for sure. So, uh, yeah, and it's, it's just fostering those relationships and being authentic. And there are often times where I will give up my rate or I will cut myself short to pay my crew more because I value what they're doing and I know it will be returned, right? Um, not that you expect it to be returned, but just to do the right thing, I think, and not just want a couple extra bucks at that moment, right? But do the right thing for other people. Right. It's the long yeah. term. Yeah. The long mm-hmm. term versus the short term. Yeah. Yeah. Which I feel like is hard for people to see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's very hard for people to see. Um, my, you know, I'm very aware that as the owner of a new production company, it's going to be a few years before I really see the returns coming in, you know, and I've kind of accepted that. So when it comes down to, okay, we don't have a lot of money to make this look stellar, but... If I give up my rate or if I, you know, lessen my cut, we can make it look better and that'll kind of up the value. I've, I've had to do that a few times, you know. And then you have repeat customers, which exactly. is really a big part, I think. Like you said, keeping clients is important. Keeping clients and not being afraid to ask for referrals from your past clients, you know, referrals, testimonials. Um, that's how I've gotten some work, too, is that you work with a client once or twice and they say, you know, oh, I really like working with you. I have this friend or I know this other company who needs video work. That's how I've gotten some jobs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there are apps that you can use like Shaper. I don't know if you've heard of Shaper. I haven't. Yeah, tell us about it. Tell it's yeah. Shaper. So it's it's Tinder for business connections. Oh. Yeah. So that's actually been that's overwhelming with the possibilities on that app because you can, you know, you swipe like on Tinder and based on that your tags in there, you match up with other people, depending on what <laughs> you have in common. And then it's pretty much like, oh, hey, good to meet you. Let's have a call or let's get together and see what's up. And I've met some great people that way. I've gotten jobs. I've gotten other people jobs. Um, yeah, it's a, that's, that's a, a great tool. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that good is a great tool. tool. To We're going to have about. to make sure we include that yeah. um, in our stuff because, I mean, you need those things. Yeah, uh, yeah. Talking about getting repeat clients, mm. your website is so polished and it has a very specific like brand, I feel like. How have you like developed that? It was it, was that on purpose or is that just aesthetically stuff that you that's where you kind of gravitate to? I, I think it's the latter. Mm-hmm. I think that it's I, I gravitate more towards um, stronger kind of striking visuals rather than, you know, maybe funny comedy skits and stuff like that. Um, I really like doing music videos. I like doing things that allow you to be weirdly creative in a way that you wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to be. Um, but with the website, yeah, I, I feel bad. I, I should have put more work into my website, but it was something where I needed to get something up and I said, okay, this is kind of, this kind of fits what I've shot. This fits what I'm going for. Um, there are a lot of things missing from that website, but they will all kind of be in that same vein of, mm-hmm. of the striking visuals and um, there's a certain level that I like to shoot at where not to talk down on DSLR cameras or anything like that, but I won't shoot with a DSLR camera. I think mm-hmm. there's a certain quality you get from Cinecams, and so I will always strive to 
use those. And there's no reason not to if you have someone who's capable and you have sites like ShareGrid or something like that for low budget things, you can always up the quality for lower budget things, you mm-hmm. know? So, but yeah, no, thank you. And it, it makes it, it just makes a difference. And it, you know, I think that's something artists sometimes struggle with is branding themselves because they don't want to be pigeonholed or whatever, but it also, then people know how to use you, you know, like, yeah. oh, this is what you do. And until you get to that level where you can kind of expand beyond that and experiment. And I, I still think that um, once I, there are probably seven or eight projects that I don't have up there that are in post and I'm waiting to put up there. And they will be, you know, they're not all this kind of dark, aggressive type style that some of them are on there now. But um, so I'm definitely casting a wider net right now because I am a new company. And it's like you say, you don't want to pigeonhole yourselves. I'm definitely, there are certain things that you know, I won't do events, I won't do the videography type stuff. There's a certain type of project that I'm drawn to, definitely pushing for commercial work and music videos, but um, there, there is still going to be a wide variety of stuff that ends up on my site, mm-hmm. which I think is okay when you're starting out. And mm-hmm. I've had that debate a lot with people because mm-hmm. um, a lot of the times people will tell you to specialize as a production company, and I think that's true. I, I think it definitely helps people to think of you and what you do, you know, mm-hmm. um, Someone. And then you get really good at that too. You exactly. just get better at being more specific. Exactly. Yeah. There's someone told me there was a um, uh, there was this commercial gig and they needed a DP to shoot chocolate. I think like melting chocolate or something. And it gets so specific at the upper upper echelons of filmmaking that one DP was known for shooting white chocolate. One DP was known for shooting milk chocolate. And they went. And there was like a huge. That was the deciding factor. Was okay. Well, this is white chocolate, so we're going with this guy. That is that so yeah. crazy. Yeah, I, that kind of blew my mind a little bit. I mean, I guess it would melt differently. Yeah. And, well, <laughs> yeah. and the color, lighting, the, the yeah, lighting, yeah. the color of it, yeah. So it's, I guess it makes sense, but it's so just, what is our industry? Ta- talk <laughs> about so hand-holding funny. people through, like, I mean, some people think you just put a video camera and just uh, do your thing, and it's like, well, mm. and, and food <laughs> in particular, oh, I've heard from, was it? Annika, who mm-hmm. we had, um, a, a guest we had um, a long time ago mm-hmm. now, um, she um, she was a director, but specifically for commercials and specifically for food. Oh, cool. She did because yeah. it's very different shooting food than it is shooting people. Right. <laughs> I right. feel like commercials d- kind of lend themselves to that because they know certain directors that really only do kids commercials and other directors that do the yeah. food commercials. Absolutely. And, yeah. Absolutely. And the, and if you, I mean you can start thinking of different ads you know and they they all have a different look and feel and characteristic to them. So That was one thing in film school that we were taught was to specialize, you know. And cuz when when you think of it especially when I'm hiring someone, I'm not going to hire the writer, director, audio mixer, you know, PD gaffer like I'm just not going to because what 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 are they I don't know maybe he does have or she does have all those skills and um, she's great at them but I'm going to go for the one who specializes in audio mixing in production design Mm -hmm. right so that was one thing we were taught in school too no that's That's good I mean that's important yeah it's important. It's important. Important to be open to doing what you need to when you're Mm -hmm. doing super small indie stuff. But but it's also important to know like where is that passion and yeah. where do you want to put that energy? Absolutely. 
you know, because if you're trying to split your time between learning how to AD efficiently and you're gripping and, you know, maybe that's how you make money and that's totally fine. But if you're promoting yourself as all these things, mm -hmm. people, nothing's going to stick, I mm -hmm. think. You know, I, I have an ongoing document with all of my crew members' names in there, all my contacts I have in the industry, and I have labels for how I classify them. And some people, I'll come to them and I'll give them like eight labels. And I'm going, how would I reach out to this? Person? Like, what would I, you know, how would I fit them in? Whereas, you know, this guy is a director. And specifically, he does comedy. Great. It's probably going to be the first one I think of when I get a comedic client, you know, comedic video. So I think that's important. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to ask your... Well, I, I was going to ask, like, what are, with your production company, what are some, like, dream goals or passion projects that you have, either long-term or short-term mm -hmm. or... I think, um, in my mind, there are two types of production companies, and one is the type that has um, lots of overhead and lots of in-house people, and they own a ton of equipment. And then there's the type of company where it's like, oh, it's one dude like, <laughs> who hires everything. And that's definitely the type that I am and want to continue being. Um, I've been focusing on the commercial side of things, and I will continue to focus on that, but I've just started getting into more narrative um, shoots and, and had more narrative aspirations. Um, being that that's kind of what I went to school for was the narrative side of things. I definitely think it's uh, in my future to get back into that more heavily. Um, have yet to line produce a feature. That would be a great experience, and I would, you know, be stressed out for a few months, but I think it would be awesome. Um, but, yeah, I, I think in general doing narrative projects, and even if it's pro bono for friends or something like that, that's something I want to do. Because the commercial world, you know, it is a lucrative field to get into, you know. Whereas narrative, you know, people don't want to throw money at you, right? <laughs> until it's like, pro until you're proven, like a proven. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So Brand. they don't throw money in at you until they throw a lot of money it, at it, you. Yes. There's like no yes. in between. I Feast feel. or famine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Zero dollars or 12 million. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I think in general, that's, that's a goal. Um, in terms of specific goals other than that, I, I should have them because I'm a very goal-oriented person, but uh, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I think those That's, are good goals. No, I think yeah. those are great goal, goals, yeah. and you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And when you're working as many hours, sometimes it's hard to sit down and have those contemplative goal thoughts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and right now I'm just, it's, I'm happy to be working is, mm -hmm. is the reality of it, you know, yeah. and I'm happy to be making money doing what I really like doing. Um, and I've only been line producing for a little while. You know, I've only been in it for a couple of years. And I'm just thankful that I get these commercial jobs. No one gets excited as I do when we get that silly little interview job, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, yes, <laughs> the potential, you know. Just, it's a gig, great. Um, so, yeah, I think for now it's, it's just furthering the company, um, maybe getting a space in L.A., getting like a WeWork or something like that where I can have people come in and out of and uh, utilize that way for editing or, or meetings or whatever. Um, and then other than that, it's just building the clientele. It's, it's getting the bigger and bigger jobs, you know, moving from, okay, the low five figures to, okay, we're approaching six figures for every job. Great, we're doing, you know, uh, that takes time. <laughs> I know a lot of other people who have production companies that are 5, 10, 15 years older than me, um, their companies, and uh, it's, it's still up and down for them, but they are doing things at that level. And that's something that's cool to see that, okay, that's possible, you know. It's inspiring. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, where can people find you online? 
tell them where to find your production company? And Yeah, so it's just leviathanfilmworks.com, which website will be updated in the next month or two. <laughs> yeah, Probably. Well, then by the time this comes out, yeah. it'll be perfect. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's tough to stay on top of all the business management things, you know, because you get a project and you say, okay, I'm super, super excited to produce this project, and you forget to <laughs> keep the clients coming and, yeah. And, yeah. and maintain the business. But uh, Yeah, yeah. There's that. And then I finally, I had someone force me to start an Instagram uh, a few months ago. My I'm big into Instagram on ceramics. That's like my main like hub for ceramics but when it came to film I have a problem putting my stuff out there on Instagram for some reason and it was just another thing to do but there I think it's Leviathan underscore filmworks and hopefully that will also have more things going on yeah Um, and we'll be able to to post with your when we release the episode we'll have all the links so that people can get to them perfect yeah but yeah yeah, it's always good to hear where it is too yeah yeah (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking yeah. time to sit down with yeah, us. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah. Lots of great advice. Absolutely. Because line and producing insight. is something people don't talk about as much, but it's right. super important. <laughs> right. Logistics. Yes. You can't make your film without it or your commercial no. or music video or anything. You can't <laughs> you make anything without it. True. People to know where they're going and exactly. have and the equipment. Uh-huh. There you all, go. all important aspects that you need to know. Well, thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening. Yeah. Thank you. Bye.